Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour number two on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. A frequent guest for the last couple decades returns to the show. Dr. Michael Osterholm is with us. World-renowned epidemiologist. His great work at the U of M. His work with presidential administrations, gubernatorial administrations, the numerous books Mike has written, and especially helpful to us and really to this country and the globe during the COVID crisis. For a long time, we were talking to Mike on a regular basis. Now it's uh, more periodic, and it's been a period of time, and Mike is with us, like every one of our guests, on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, if you have a text on the COVID topic for Mike, as they say often, I will take a look at all of them. They all need to be respectful. You don't have to agree, but just some level of decency or I'm bypassing you quickly. Uh, but if you want to offer, some, offer something up, you can through a text. Not a call, but a text. 651-461-9226. Uh, first of all, my friend, how are you? 
Fine, thank you. It's good to be back with you. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, very well, enjoying winter, and a number of questions for you. So let me start with uh, the study that was published last week by the journal Vaccine. And I know it covered a lot, but a lot of the headlines are talking about some of the risks associated with vaccines related to COVID, the COVID vaccine. Uh, The study is saying they monitored an increase for 13 different medical conditions in the period after people received a COVID vaccine. That is part, and that's really the main part, Mike, which is drawing attention. Is that a fair assessment of this study, and what is your reaction to the study itself? Well, first of all, you know, we routinely follow any vaccine administration with a system called VAERS, which is a voluntary reporting system. And, of course, you know, if you vaccinate 50 or 70 percent of your population, 50 or 70 percent of the events that are going to occur are going to occur whether you're vaccinated or not. The question is, were they related in terms of cause and effect, not just coincidence? And so what we uh, do to make certain that we have good data on safety is in some cases actually have very detailed studies that follow up on vaccine recipients to make sure it's not just they slipped through the cracks, it didn't get reported, et cetera. And uh, then make an attempt at that point to assess, is this what would expect to occur? Is this above what we'd expect to occur? And then make the assessment from that standpoint. So studies like that are very helpful. Was it above what you expected? No, it isn't. Actually, the COVID vaccines are coming in really exactly where they're at, what you expected. I mean, a good example is one that has received a lot of attention is basically an inflammation of the heart that can occur uh, associated with the vaccine, particularly in younger men, uh, adolescent boys. And uh, what we found was, in fact, that we did occasionally see that kind of uh, myocarditis type picture, but it actually occurs much less frequency, uh, frequent than if you get the infection itself. So you actually buy uh, protection that way. The second thing is, is that none of them were uh, severe cases. Uh, there's one in New York that continues to keep popping up, but the, uh, the review of that case said that it was not cause and effect from the vaccine. Uh, but so we, with actual infection, we actually see deaths associated with myocarditis. Uh, so, again, it's a benefit. So we have to take into account the risk benefit. You know, I, the example I use, where I've heard it over and over again, is seatbelts. You know, seatbelts really save lives. But every very, very, very rarely a seatbelt will jam. And in an accident, when the particular vehicle is on fire, that poses a greater risk to the individual. Now, we say don't use seatbelts because the overwhelming uh, information supports how much, how many lives they save versus potentially putting someone at risk. And so that's, in a sense, what we do with vaccines is to, to look at what's the benefit versus what is the potential downside. Okay. Um, there were... Listen, we have many experts in this area, and many people think they're experts, and, and they're not. Um, but there were many people who seemingly had a track record, Mike, when I read stories looking ahead to our conversation, when they mm-hmm. seemed to be alarmed by this study, and, and, and you don't feel that way. Was there any part of this study where you looked at it and you said, I did not expect that data to come out? 
No, not really. I, I can't say there is. Uh, I think, you know, this is why we do these kinds of studies. And uh, um, I don't think it was surprising. What study, which hasn't been done yet on the fallout either from COVID or from the vaccines themselves, would you like to see done? Well, we have a whole lot of work we need to do on long COVID. Um, this is clearly a, a long-term tale on COVID itself that is just remarkable. Um, you know, when you look at the number of people who have uh, months and months later still had major health challenges because of COVID, and what we need to do is understand why that's happening. I think we're getting closer to having some sense that what it is is the body's immune system basically is turned on by this virus. Uh, the virus exits and leaves. It may actually, however, create a situation or what we call a zombie virus where basically what it is is zombie cells where it's not the virus, but there's enough residual material from the virus in you that it actually continues this inflammation. That inflammation in turn then is what makes you feel horrible, brain fog, fatigue, uh, damage to organs, in fact, based on your own immune system's response. And so we have a lot of work to do here. In particular, what are the therapies that could do to really help improve this situation? So uh, those are the studies that I think are absolutely critical that need to be done. Is that going to happen? I think it is. Yeah, I think uh, the NIH basically has just received a new appropriation for this issue. I think they're much more focused than they were uh, throughout parts of the uh, pandemic in looking at this issue. I think it's clear when you can have you know, bipartisan uh, hearings in, in Washington on this issue, which we've just had, uh, which were very helpful, very thoughtful. Um, I think that we are moving forward in this area. And, uh, you know, and it's long, long, long overdue and needed. We, we really need to help these people. Uh, yesterday, I saw a number of tweets in this from folks who are vaccine skeptics or they are primarily right of uh, right of center politically where it was reported about the American Red Cross and suggesting, and there were multiple reports on this, that the Red Cross is now asking blood donors if they ever see the COVID vaccine. And if you answered yes, they wanted you to call ahead, see if you're eligible. Is this true? And should the Red Cross or anyone else be asking you this if you're offering to donate blood? You know, I can't comment. I don't know about that. I've not heard about that before. So that's something that uh, I'm not aware of. I know of many people who are routine blood donors who have been vaccinated. So I, I beyond that, I can't comment. You would be so. So if it's true, let, let's go with that premise. If the Red Cross started asking, uh, if I show up, I've, I've been vaccinated many times. OK, and, and I go to donate blood, which I've done before with. Would you think it was inappropriate if any organization, Red Cross or others, asked if you had been vaccinated and then had any hesitancy whatsoever? Well, first of all, again, I'm not, you know, I can't comment one way or the other. I don't have a, a reason to understand why they would would basically ask that question uh, in terms of a healthy blood donor. Um, so I think at that point. Uh, in terms of what, why we screen, though, with blood is to make sure that we don't have 
some type of infection in the blood system itself that you don't know about. Um, I mean, the classic ones we've had for many years, the hepatitis viruses, HIV, et cetera, we don't want to transmit something on. So uh, the calls or the, the assessment would be based on what is your risk of transmitting something, or in rare cases would be do you have a health condition that by donating blood, you might jeopardize that health condition some, which is very, very, very rare. So beyond that, I, I don't have any um, reason to know why they would do that if, in fact, they're doing it at all. I think I want to be very careful about that. I don't know that they are. Yep. Understand. Uh, Mike Osterholm is with us. It's uh, 17 past one. A few more points working in your text. Also, thank you for those. Uh, Mike, over the last couple months, um, I keep hearing more and more people in my circle, myself included. I had COVID. People had COVID. Varying degrees of the severity of it. What was your assessment of what the numbers were in Minnesota and elsewhere and where are we headed for the next couple months? Well, we really have several things happening at the same time. Let me just uh, be clear that COVID is widespread, and it has been over the last three months. This variant that we have right now uh, has infected a lot of people. Um, one is the variant itself has changed, mutated enough to evade some of the immune protection we have. But then in addition to that, we recognize whether you've had infection or you're vaccinated, you get about four to six months of good protection against serious illness, hospitalizations, and deaths. Uh, And then it wanes. And this is why I have been such a strong, strong supporter of not making this a seasonal vaccine like flu once a year. This should be one you can get every six months if you want and and need it. And when I say need it, we now know that you can greatly reduce the number of serious illness, hospitalizations, and deaths particularly in older people, 65 and over, by being vaccinated with this vaccine. But it likely will be one you'd need every six months. Uh, now, to me, that you know is one that most people probably won't avail themselves to. Nobody's making them get it, but we should have that available. And so uh, when you think about where COVID is right now, as you just pointed out, the vast majority of infections are milder. When I say milder, you still may be down in bed for a few days, feeling pretty rough, but then you're back at it again. Uh, last week, COVID was the number seventh killer in the country. Still, it's up there. It's a very significant condition. But grant you, most of those are in older individuals, people of underlying immune deficiencies. So there, we're trying really hard to encourage vaccination. We're absolutely pushing as hard as we can Paxlovid. The data are clear and compelling on this drug. A new study just published uh, today um, showing that you can reduce hospitalizations by 80% or more if you get on Paxlovid quickly after being diagnosed. And it also has a major impact on your likelihood of developing long COVID. It's greatly reduced uh, by getting on Paxlovid. So those are the things that I keep pushing and want people to understand that if they do those things, you know, they still may get COVID, but it will be more of an inconvenience than a life-threatening infection. Reports over the last uh, couple of weeks suggesting the CDC may dramatically change their isolation guidelines if you test positive. Uh, Suggesting that the CDC may advise people to leave isolation once they are fever-free for 24 hours without medication and their symptoms are improving. This is different from the the five days, which has been out there for Mm -hmm. a while. Where, Where do you stand on that? 
Well, first of all, there's a lot of misinformation out there right now about that. CDC has not publicly ever stated that they're changing this, not that I don't think they will. I think that, I think they will do that. Uh, states have already put it in place, states like California and Oregon. And this is not nearly as dramatic as people make it out to be. For example, in the California recommendations, it is exactly what you said. If, in fact, uh, you're fever-free for 24 hours, you can go back in. Um, but you should, at that point, they recommend you are an N95 for the whole 10 days, period, which is more than we're doing now. And so from that standpoint, it, it, it's not the same as just saying, you know, we're cutting our losses and leaving. That's not the situation at all. Uh, the healthcare worker doesn't change at all in terms of what has been already in place, what's there now. Our problem is we have so many hospitals that are allowing healthcare workers to wear in a inadequate and frankly dangerous uh, respiratory protection like surgical masks versus N95s. You know, a surgical How is that mask still is happening, like, Mike? Uh, yes, it's beyond me. I mean, it, it, it is really, I think, uh, a real challenge. Um, you know, if you say to somebody, you got three screen doors in your submarine, you think you're going to have a problem when you go under? I think you will. That's what a surgical mask is, okay? The N95 is what we need. So we need to really push that. Um, the problem we have today, and it's not I, it's not unexpected, is that people have moved on. People aren't, if they're out for two days with sniffles, yep. they're not going to test and then stay away from work for five days. You know, Omer, almost 30% of our population does not have a single day of sick leave coming. They don't get sick leave. They don't get family mm-hmm. time off if a sick child. And so whether they make rent or not this week or this month is often tied. Can they go to work or not? We have to meet people where they're at. Now, clearly, we're going to reduce transmission if we can keep sick people out. But, you know, we've never factored in, for example, in our recommendations, up to 40% of the people may be asymptomatic and transmit the virus. So even if I could test everybody who is clinically ill and keep them out, there's still a lot of transmission going on from asymptomatic people. And so what we need to focus on is how do we protect those people at highest risk of serious illness, hospitalizations, and deaths? You know, I surely understand there are very few people that think vaccinating their kids is important. But you and I have talked many times on this show about how important flu vaccines are for kids. Very important. Everybody is on board with that. You know, do you realize that COVID is still killing almost twice as many kids each day as a flu flu virus? And yet we're not vaccinating kids at all in any meaningful way, you know, a couple percent. So I think we need to get better information out. We need to have people be able to understand and let them choose. I, you know, I'm, I'm not one of the people who's been saying mandate these vaccines, but I think we should give people choices. And then we inform them what these choices mean. You know, what I think most parents would be surprised to know how many kids are dying from COVID. And these are kids that are not identified early on as having some underlying health condition. Over half of them are, were, had none at all that you would have somehow concluded that they need the vaccine. That's the kind of thing we need to do more of. We need to have real straight talk with the public, what we know, what we don't know. Mike, I always appreciate your time. Glad to have you on Thank board. You, you know it won't, won't be a long time till we reach <laughs> out again. Enjoy the rest okay, of your day, anytime, sir. Anytime, sir. Have a good one. Go Twins. Michael Osterholm, an ardent Twins follower. We're going to talk Twins in about 10 minutes, react to what Joe Polite had to say. You want to react to anything in particular Mike had to say through a text? We won't have time to take calls. We'll get to calls later. I can guarantee you that. We'll have a chance on other topics for you to call in. But anything you want to react to, Mike, and then, and by the way, 
we haven't talked COVID on this show in months, okay, months. So if somebody comes, comes, texts and says, oh, you're talking about COVID again. Yeah, we haven't talked about COVID outside of when I had it. Um, and I had it just as last year was ending. Uh, it's February 21st today. I think this is the first time the word COVID has been discussed on my show. So, so please, oh, you're bringing up COVID again. Yeah, for the first time in a couple months. How often do you even think about COVID right now? What is your dominant memory? What is your dominant thought when you think of COVID? So reacting to what Mike had to say, in particular, you can react through a text. Uh, how often do you even consider COVID right now? Have you faced COVID recently? And when you think of COVID, what comes to mind right now? 651 again, 6 Five one four six one nine two two six. Somebody texting me Happy New Year. Get out of here. Come on. Josh, are you with me? January 3rd, Larry David was right. That's it for Happy New Year. I know this person, just kidding, gets the bet. Um, three days for Happy New Year. Are you with me, right? Or are you fine with, like, I don't know, in July, Happy Happy, like today, you could say Happy New Year. You know what I give people who say Happy New Year on February 21st? One of these. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. All right. Let's uh, get to some of your uh, comments on COVID off our lengthy conversation with Mike Ostrom. First time in a long, long time. Um, One thing that stands out is when the distinguish between who is an essential worker and who is a non-essential worker? If I had been considered a non-essential employee, I would have felt bad about what I was doing. And when I think the pandemic feels like a long episode of the Twilight Zone. Um, I remember COVID is Trump putting himself and his economy in front of people's lives. On that one, hey, our guy Rudy Gobert and... <laughs> What Rudy did when he had it, touching all the mics and sports stopping, that played a huge part. At that point, I believe there was about a 80% chance Donald Trump was going to defeat the uh, Democratic nominee. And by then, it had emerged as Joe Biden. Any president who was in charge of a pandemic would face, I mean, seemingly an, an unending amount of extraordinarily, extraordinarily difficult questions and challenges. So the idea that if this was uh, Jack Kennedy, Barack Obama, Richard Nixon, Reagan, take your pick, they would have just handled it perfectly. But Trump, again, it was about the election. It was about himself what a shock this was the the nonsense the lysol easter it's gonna vanish and the funny thing is in the primary he ended up getting more heat because he relied on fauci from republicans fauci has become such a punching bag and i don't mind the criticism where you have some data behind it. 
But when you're bobbing and weaving and picking and choosing and you're citing someone on a who is clearly conspiracy-minded, then I'm dubious. We could have a lot of debates and a lot of comments as we sit here at 132, February of 2024. Was that really worth it? Did they tell us all the information? Did the goalposts change? All of those are fair questions. But the nonsense of this was China taking Trump out. This the, the other countries were in on it. I mean, give me a break. You lose any speck of uh, credibility. My wife got COVID first time a few weeks ago. It was not fun. Mask and isolating for about 10 days, but she covered well likely due to her vaccines and boosters. Um, when I think of COVID, I think of two good men who seem to be in good health, got COVID and died, one newly retired, and one yet to retire. And there's another person who texted about a 40-year-old recently and died quickly from it. Um, I did have it in late December. And it was lousy. It was lousy. It uh, fatigue, um, headaches. I did not have a fever at any point. A cough was not an issue. But it's a pain in the ass if you get it. And could those folks have been more clear on different points? Yeah. I mean, some of the masking questions and what the vaccine was really going to do. But I still go back to this, and I'll finish. And I appreciate all the texts, as always. When a story is unfolding and it's this large and this significant, no matter if Trump was still the president, certain things were not going to be accurate. Did some people change their stories to protect their backsides? You're damn right. And they should be called out. Okay? They should be called out. But if you never believed in it, you thought it was a scam, and at any time there was legitimacy to it, you scoffed at it. I'm sorry, we just don't seem eye to eye. Did we do some things we shouldn't have? Yeah. Yes, we did, colluding how far we went with schooling. That turned out to be a mistake. But 6 million people plus died while they had COVID. Can we have a debate? How many of them would have died anyway? Yeah. Let's say if it's 10%. Let's say if it's 20%. And by the way, if it's your loved one, it still absolutely crushed you. So too many people almost took glee in mocking the numbers when that was, your, that was somebody's wife, husband, daughter, son. There's nothing to be gleeful about. Joe Polet and what he said to Jason. Let's discuss when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. 